Hi, and welcome to the Dying to Ask podcast. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. My guest today is Sophia Ruan Goucher. She is the author of a book called The A to Z of Detoxing, The Ultimate Guide to Reducing Our Toxic Exposures, and also the host of the Practical Non-Toxic Living podcast. Now, quite often people will ask me, how do you decide who gets on the podcast? And I get emails all day long from companies, from publicists, from book publishers telling me about potential guests. So I always take a look at the ones that come in and try to figure out, will it pique my interest? So I thought, "Mm, I don't know, maybe. So I said, why don't you send me the book? Let me take a look at the book um, and let me see if if it makes sense for us. So the book arrived and it was huge. It was 450 pages. (laughs) It's a very, very big book. Not exactly a quick read. Very detailed clearly well-researched, kind of almost like an encyclopedia of all things toxic. And I thought, "Uh, do my listeners want to hear this? And I wasn't sure. My barometer is if it's not keeping my interest, then I just, I don't hit publish on the podcast. And sometimes I've taken a chance with a guest where I've recorded an interview, and then it just doesn't really make it to this feed or on TV because it just, in the long run... It just didn't work. You know, for whatever reason, it just wasn't a good fit. And I'm pretty clear with people from the get-go. If for whatever reason this is a good fit, there's there's no guarantee that we're going to do something with this. Happens very rarely that we don't air something. But but I wasn't sure as I started looking through Sophia's book. I'm like, I don't know. So, But I was still sort of intrigued because I thought, who spends this much time getting this detailed and becoming an expert on this? Like something fueled this, right? So I started to go down the rabbit hole on Sophia. And that's where I started to get interested. She is a mother of three, and she is not a scientist, but she has become the go-to non-toxic lifestyle expert. So how did she do that? Well, it all started when she became a mom for the first time, and she started looking at her world in a whole new way. Kids do that. It became so important to her to really detoxify her lifestyle and and her kids' lifestyle that she ended up leaving what she described as her dream job to basically dedicate her life to finding tweaks big and small that we can all make to live a less toxic, hopefully more healthy life. And when I say they are small tweaks, she's not asking you to flip your world upside down. They're really reasonable, and I think that's what I find really kind of appealing about her message. On this time to ask, what does it mean to be a practical, non-toxic lifestyle expert? The reaction from Sophia's family when she made a radical career shift to doing all things non-toxic, the skills from her prior life and career that made her actually a great person to become the go-to expert on this. Three changes also that you can make today to live a less toxic life. These are little things, like you can do them this afternoon. And then stick around after the interview because I'll, I'll tell you about three extra ways to detox your workouts that you might not have thought about. This, this one kind of blew my mind. Sophia Ruan Goucher is my guest on this week's Dying to Ask podcast. Have you ever wondered how did they do that? I do all the time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick and Dying to Ask is the podcast that gets me off a TV news set and into candid conversations with authors, entrepreneurs, athletes, and influencers I have been dying to talk to. Soak up the motivation that comes from learning how other people live their lives, how they take an idea or a goal, they follow through, and they pull it off. And maybe along the way, I'll get some answers to questions you've been dying to ask.
Sophia, welcome to the Giant Ass Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I'm thrilled to. Um, I when I first read about your book, I thought, well, that's fantastic. I need like kind of the instructions on how to get a lot of the toxic stuff out of your life. I like a list. I like a plan. And basically that is exactly what you have done with this book. I mean, it reads kind of like an encyclopedia because of the amount of research that you've put into it. It actually was a response to many research reports that I read, but one that jump-started my, um, my passion is Silent Spring by Rachel Carson. And, and then a second one is Our Stolen Future by a scientist, Theo Colburn, who wrote about what she was observing about the um, health changes she was seeing in wildlife and how uh-huh. those wildlife with more tumors, for example, had much higher levels of endocrine disrupting chemicals. And I was learning about this while I had an infant learning about endocrine disrupting chemicals in the baby bottles and toys and things I was buying for my baby. So. Uh, I I wanted to, you know, in response to the science, I thought, what is a science-based handbook that a head of household can use to more quickly identify safer products? So yeah. I wanted a guide for healthier shopping. I know. It's like what to expect when you're expecting, but it's it's to deal with chemicals, <laughs> which is really the next part of like protecting your children. Because as soon as you have kids, you start thinking, at least I, I would say like you, you kind of like immediately default to all the bad stuff that could happen because you're in that protector mode. And that's what's so interesting, I think, about this book and about the, the fact that you went down this path is you didn't grow up saying, when I grow up, I want to be the expert on toxic chemicals. That was not your path at all. Absolutely not. And I loved <laughs> the path I was on. So I... What, what, what was the path? Like, what were you doing before you, you got into this? Generally, it's under the broader umbrella of distressed investing. So (laughs) on behalf of institutional investors, I focused on high risk, high return investments, which meant that I had to quickly dive into new situations with imperfect information and identify what are the good facts, what information is really not that valuable. And what is a value creation strategy? And then I would execute on it to create the most value for the investors. And I loved what I did. I loved it. I was great at it. I never wanted to leave that career. I had a dream job. I was on my way to my dream job. I actually landed my dream job while pregnant with my first child. So I did not want to leave it. I worked really hard to have my dream job. And then as I started learning about these toxic exposures and how it might compromise my daughter's health foundation for the rest of her life, because there are diseases that can show up in adult life that have Mm -hmm. fetal origins, I couldn't ignore that influence that I would have to optimize her life quality. And so I thought at some point, I also was fascinated by the science, but at some point I thought there's a huge body of science that is so relevant to public health and even the physicians are not aware and government officials can't possibly be aware. And I felt like my skill set offered a unique opportunity to create bridges from the science to the medical community, the public, hopefully down the road. Uh, regulation, but we really need more of the public to care. And for them to care, they have to not be overwhelmed so much. Yeah. They shut down. 
So what did people in your personal life say when here you are, you've got the dream job and it's very specific and it's like over in this category. And then you start having this complete interest that goes in this other direction. And while you're still using the same skill set, it's something completely different because most people would not make that switch like you did after investing so much time and effort. So what did people around you say? I'm fascinated by that. The switch was very gradual. It was very organic. And at some point I started blogging about what I was learning. For example, it took forever to figure out which car seat is the least toxic, has the least toxic chemical flame retardants. And once I learned things like that, I thought, well, it should be easier for other moms and dads and parents in general mm-hmm. to identify safer products like that. And so I developed a following through my blog. And so people just were naturally on a journey with me and found it super relevant. And I think when I finally decided to resign from my career to, I thought I would master this topic in one year. I thought I'll take one year (laughs) to master this, then I'll go back to my career. And um, I think people were rooting for me. They're like, thank you for making it easier for me. Uh, And I had no idea it would end up taking eight years to feel like I had a good overview of how toxic exposures influences the purchases for my home and my family. Wow. That's so interesting. And you had to just be really passionate about it to see it through. It felt very important. It felt like, um, I think feeling I'm an immigrant. We moved, my family and I moved from Taiwan to the United States when I was nine months old. So I grew up with my dad always talking about how lucky I was simply to be an American. And I just felt so much gratitude in general for not only being an American who has freedom of speech and Mm -hmm. other freedoms, but also a female who had more opportunities than any other female in prior generations. And I didn't want to take any of that for granted. And my father is an OBGYN. I have a family of doctors. My brother's a doctor. I grew up watching family members live in service, live not just for yourself, but how can you be of service to your community? And I ended up feeling like my my entire past education, professional experience was meant to be in service for others with this topic because it didn't have enough coverage and communication in a way that would have engaged my younger self. Cause I never, if someone else were doing what I was, what I'm doing now, I never would have left my prior career. Interesting. I Uh, I shouldn't have felt like I needed to. Right. I'm, I'm first generation American. And a lot of what you just said resonated with me. I know being a first generation American and having parents who sacrificed a lot or went through tough times. There was also a, and I've talked to other people about this. I'm curious to see if you have the same kind of thing, whatever you're going to do, it needs to be done well because people sacrificed a lot. And so I would imagine that that's probably some of the intensity you brought to something to the exploration of ways to reduce our toxic exposure. That must be a common thing that is just in your life in general. Yes. And that influence comes from several sources. My dad is a perfectionist. As a surgeon, there's no room for error. 
So no. I grew I grew up in a household where there could be no mistakes. Right. And second, I worked at what they called a merchant bank after college. And those two-year programs are super intense. There can be no mistake. <laughs> and you're forced to a level of perfection that most industries don't even consider. And I loved it. I love just learning how to be better. I'm really into optimizing in general. So I enjoy it. It comes from a place of how can something be as beautiful and helpful and perfect as yeah. possible, knowing like you know, hopefully you you know, nothing's ever perfect. But I love the journey and the striving. And it can always be a little bit better. You can always push yeah. yourself a little bit. And I think that that's the real message of your book is that are you going to eliminate all toxic influences? Not if you're a human being living on this planet, but there are some really simple ways that you can reduce exposure. And it can be as simple as like looking at what's in your kitchen and around your house. And once you start looking, you start really realizing how many things we bring in that maybe we could do a little differently. Yeah. And I hope people enjoy the discovery process because if you keep at it and if you revisit A to Z of detoxing as you're interested in learning more, eventually the path leads you to integrate more practices that people use before the industrial revolution. And that can just bring more balance into our very busy modern lives. And I think that nowadays you know, we have a loneliness epidemic. So even though advances in in technology and so many things have brought so much joy and convenience in some uh -huh. ways in the most meaningful ways like connection we've we're losing that and so a lot of the lifestyle of um of ruan living which is my lifestyle platform really just integrates more old-fashioned ways like homemade meals make it with your family, talk about the ingredients. They're simple ideas, but they're really fulfilling. Okay. So let's talk more about that. What are some simple things that you could challenge us to do today that can cumulatively have a big impact on our toxic exposure? I'm very big into simply observing. So if you've done any yoga or meditation, you know how much transformation can come from simply observing your breath. Sometimes my challenge to you is whenever you open your refrigerator door and you're looking inside, just observe how much plastic is in your refrigerator. And as you notice, just ask yourself, what can I swap out? Like find some glass containers. And I recommend, recommend looking for glass that's multi-purpose, meaning mm -hmm. it's safe enough for the freezer, the microwave, the dishwasher, and because then you can have less stuff and gradually just start using it and just take that one challenge to change your refrigerator, which will have a big impact on your diet. What about the things that come packaged though in plastic? Like I was in my head opening up my fridge and I'm thinking of cottage cheese or yogurt or those types of things. So in the perfect life, it would all be in glass. That's not what happens in my refrigerator. I just, it's not practical, mm -hmm. but there are certain things. So my youngest daughter is obsessed with Mapo tofu from this one <laughs> restaurant. And it comes from, it comes in a black 
plastic container, which is, it kills me. <laughs> I know I tell her all the time that because it comes hot in a plastic container, the heat facilitates more leaching of chemicals into the food. So I don't ask her to never have it, but to immediately put it in a glass container. And I just focus on that one thing because that's yeah. something she, she loves it. And like, if I'm not paying attention, she's ordering three times a week in New York city delivery, super easy. And, um, and I'm just trying to bring mindfulness to her about toxic chemicals leaching from plastic into food, especially when hot. So if you're going to do that, then just put it in a glass container and it's more high risk because it's hot. Cottage mm -hmm. cheese is cool. I, you know, if you can put it in a glass container, you, that would be better. Okay. Well, worry, worry about like more high impact items, like things that are hot and also things that are high fat tend to have higher concentrations of some of these um, endocrine disrupting chemicals like phthalates is, has been covered a bit in the press. It likes fat. So it'll migrate into fat and it will migrate continuously over time. So the longer it has contact, the more leaching there is from the container of food packaging into the high fat item like cheese. What or about, I mean, I, I think I know the answer to this, but what about like plastic water bottles? Because most of these things that you're talking about, it is convenience. And in our world, we want convenience. Who wouldn't? But water bottles have got to be one of the biggest ones. We know they're not good for the environment, but what's the risk to the person who's drinking from them? There are two main things I want to say about plastic water bottles. One, studies have found that too often the water itself in the bottled water has more contaminants than tap water, generally speaking. <laughs> Seriously? So it, it depends on your tap water, but generally okay. bottled water is not regulated as much as, as uh, tap water. So generally speaking, you're better off just using tap water, never even considering the cost and the plastic like polluting our environment. Second though, the plastic again can release chemicals into the water. And one study found that up to 80 different contaminants could be released into water. So your best bet is to invest in a water filtration system that is most comfortable for your budget. Mm -hmm. Any filtration is better than none. And invest in a stainless steel water bottle. And as much as you can, just fill that up and drink from your filtered tap water in your stainless steel or glass water bottle. And you can't be perfect. I try to be, mm -hmm. especially when pregnant. And I wish I could have told my pregnant self, you've reduced your exposure so much whenever <laughs> you can, but you need to hydrate still. And if you drink from plastic water bottles, sometimes then you know, being hydrated is very, not being, or avoiding being dehydrated is very important too. Huh. How, how much exposure to these plastics do you have to have before you see any negative health effects in, in the research that you've done? That's such a great question. And, and, and maybe that's not even an answerable question right now. I, I don't know. How I will answer it is that it's highly complex. One reason it's highly complex is that 
the timing of exposure is really meaningful. So for example, if you're a fetus, you're growing so rapidly, the heart, the brain, the lungs, the reproductive system is growing very rapidly in the womb during those nine months. So if endocrine disrupting chemicals are in the blood and the fetus is being exposed, those chemicals are participating in that development. And so the effects from that exposure is so much more meaningful than if you're 50 years old being exposed. Yeah. And it's, I want to point out, no one really studies women going through menopause. And, and so anytime there are major life changes, when hormones are guiding major changes in biological development, that is more high risk. It makes a lot of sense. And, and honestly, a lot of the things that you've advised in the book or suggested are really simple swaps, which to me makes it, um, really easy to kind of bring in. <laughs> like if it's something simple, I don't mind doing it. So if we had like a three-step plan and the first one was swap out to glass, ditch the plastic containers. That's a really easy one. Another one that you've said is wash your hands a lot, which God knows we've heard a lot over the last couple of years, but there's a real specific reason for washing your hands, even in your own house. Yes. Most people don't realize that indoor air tends to be at least two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, even in the most industrialized cities like New York City. And the reason is because a lot of things in our home off-gas toxic fumes and also release toxic compounds into our dust. Also, the bottom of our shoes will track in many things, not just dirt, but also um coal tar from which is a car cancer causing compound mm -hmm. which is found in like the pavement on roads or driveways and also the bottom of shoes will track in pesticides including those banned decades ago so there's a lot of different things coming in from the bottom of our shoes so understanding that dust contains a lot of things that are not good for you or that are high risk is uh helps uh, helps you appreciate why washing your hands especially before you eat is really impactful and if you're a parent to young kids you appreciate how much work it is to wash <laughs> their hands yep. often especially before they eat but that's a really really high impact focus you touched a little on this one but the third tip is um to have a no shoes house and i will give you everything i have if you can talk my family into this because i have wanted it for years but my boys will just not go for it <laughs> but it really can make such a big difference it really does and the us epa did a study that sometimes referred to as the doormat study it found that if you have a no shoes policy in the home then you can reduce lead dust by up to 60%. Keeping in mind that there's no amount of lead exposure that has been found to be safe, I think that's a very motivating piece of data to leave your shoes at the door. And that's just lead dust. There's so many other bad things that come in as we were talking about. You have three kids. Are you able to successfully do this? It's an ongoing challenge and it helps me a lot to hear from a, uh, an older mom with older kids who said, 
even when your children are in college, you're still going to be asking them to hang up their coats. <laughs> oh, what about wet towels? Did she mention wet towels? You know, those <laughs> basic things. And that really was very helpful to hear just to manage my expectations and not be so disappointed and just know I just, I'm going to ha be having to prioritize my ask and I need to focus on what are the key things I want them to go to college being conscious right. of. I did not expect to get good parenting advice in this podcast, but you're, you're handing it out. It's good. <laughs> Buying what you're selling on it. Is it difficult to have this much knowledge about how many toxic things are in our environment? Because to me, it could be a little bit maddening, I think, to know as much as you have learned about this. I think for some people, it might be overwhelming if you're very afraid of it. For me, I, I've been lucky. My family is healthy, so I don't have, I don't have mm -hmm. that worry. And second, I found it just so intellectually fascinating and relevant mm -hmm. that I think that makes it, I mean, that just brings a positive energy into my life as I learn. And I'm always wondering about practical solutions. So I think whenever Whenever I learn about something upsetting and whenever I communicate something upsetting, I always want to couple that with something empowering and focus on simple, accessible solutions. So at the end of the day, it, this sounds really strange, but it really has become a mindfulness practice. It's mindful living. It's connected me more to the simple, fulfilling, meaningful parts of life and uh, it's, it's led me on a journey. I can't even really articulate now, but to, in a nutshell, uh, I have moments where it's really hard, but 99% of the time I love it and am so grateful for it. You said something earlier as we start to wrap up about, um, the concept of optimizing your life and just having a mindset of trying to optimize and be the best and make good choices as much as you can. Can you maybe just share maybe some advice for people who would like to live a little bit more mindfully like that and like to optimize their potential that much more? I really encourage people. I have a 40 day home detox, which is meant to on a daily basis, get you to deconstruct a lot of your unconscious choices. And it's, I really want people to become curious about so many things they do automatically. So for example, candles are really, really popular, but have you wondered what makes, what creates the candle? Often never, never. Are you guys, are they bad? Well, I, well Often the wax is made of petroleum-based ingredients Aww. and it often has fragrance as an ingredient, which we love. It almost always does. It almost always does. That's why you burn it is so the house smells good. Well, fragrance also is not regulated and fragrance manufacturers do not have to disclose which ingredients are in fragrance, but studies have found that fragrance can contain up to hundreds of unique chemicals and too many of them are toxic to our brain, nervous system. I mean, the list goes on oh. and, and people just don't think about it. And the wick often 
well, has often been found too often to have been found to have lead inside. So if you just become curious about the things in your home, you, while it'll be upsetting, it'll be kind of amazing. And the beautiful thing is there are healthier alternatives and they will reconnect you to nature. So a non-toxic candle is made of 100% pure beeswax. And you'll understand more, well, you know, what is beeswax? And then you'll get to know the bees. And, and a non-toxic wick is 100% pure cotton. And healthier fragrance is pure essential oils, which offers aromatherapy benefits. So that's one simple example where as you become more curious about the things in your life and you peel back, what are they made of? You, as you look at healthier alternatives, it really leads you closer towards nature. Isn't that funny? We go back to the beginning to come yeah. up with a whole new end. I love it. Sophia, thank you so much. The book is A to Z of Detoxing. And honestly, it is a true guide in all the sense of the word of all the different things that are probably in all of our homes that we have never even thought about where they came from. So thanks for doing all the research. You did the heavy lift on this one. All we have to do is read it <laughs> and start learning. What are some good ways for people to keep up with your uh, Ruan living and with learning a little bit more about what you're doing with, with the idea of trying to get people thinking about their environments a little differently? I have lots of offerings. My website is ruanliving.com. I have a podcast called Practical Non-Toxic Living the podcast and lots of other guided detoxes. But the number one way to follow everything I'm doing is to sign up for the newsletter. So you can just text the word detox, D-E-T-O-X to the number 66866 and you'll stay updated on the latest offerings. There's lots of free stuff and then there's um, more personalized stuff. As promised, I've got a few extra ways to detox your workouts, three extra ways. So first one is you download your music or your podcast, like time to ask, before you work out and then listen on airplane mode. That helps a little. Next one, do not tuck your smartphone into your jog bra or shorts to reduce your toxic exposure. Also to keep your phone working because usually when they get sweaty, they stop working. And then the last one is to change out of your athletic wear as soon as you're done working out. That's just basic hygiene, but apparently it'll help you lead a less toxic life as well. So those are pretty easy. And then here was a bonus one that, that Sophia had mentioned in some of her research that I thought was kind of interesting too. This is just good living. So during the pandemic, a lot of us got those air purifiers or air filters. It became really popular and now they're like another place to put your laundry, right? So Sophia says, if you still have one and you're wondering what would be the best room to put something like that in on the regular, she said, it's the bedroom. So you will breathe in that cleaner air all night long and think about it. That in theory is a place where you're spending a good straight quantity of time. So throw it in the bedroom if you still have one. Did you like this episode? If you did, please text somebody, text a link to this week's episode and let your friends know that this show is worth their time. I'm Deirdre Fitzpatrick. Thanks for listening to the Dying Desk Podcast.